What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Ken Paxton impeachment trial has a new wrinkle that might be tearing at the fabric of the Texas Republican Party. And don't touch those pretty blue blobs you see on Galveston beaches, plus a shocking twist into a missing persons case from 2015. It's time to recap it all with Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz and dynamic media personality Andrew Shell Nova. It's Friday, July 7th, 2023. I'm Raheel Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. All right, let's talk about some of the news that's been happening in this kind of weird week because we've had two Mondays already. The 4th of July fell on a Tuesday, so I don't know. It was a whole mess of a week, but we're here. Andrew Shell, Evan, welcome in. How's everybody doing? What's up? I'm doing great. I am on vacation. Nice. I like it. Taking time out during vacation to chat with us. I love it. Before we get started about the news, we had an episode yesterday about forgotten places, iconic places in Houston that are no longer around. What's one that sticks out to you from your childhood? Aunt Rochelle, give me a place. Come on. I miss Stadium Bowl. Do y'all remember Stadium Bowl? I don't remember Stadium Bowl. No. no. Listen, let me tell you, Stadium Bowl was a skating ring and when I tell you I don't ever remember skating in that place, I just remember that's where I did my best dance moves. And uh, that's where I learned how to uh, dance with somebody okay. at Stadium Bowl. It was a, it was like a huge skating ring. I think it was a bowling alley in there somewhere. Don't, don't. Listen, I was 12. OK, <laughs> but that was like the club for, for tweens at the time. There you go. There was an identity crisis, so that's why it's no longer around. We don't know if it's a roller rink or a skate, uh, a bowling rink. We don't know what's happened, so it's fine. Or a dance club. All right, what about you, Evan? Well, I'd have to go with uh, Two Rows in the Rice Village. It was just great uh, brewery and wing spot, dollar beers, dollar wings. It's gone now. All right, let's jump into the news answer show. What was your biggest story of the week? Y'all, my biggest story of the week, it is a real life law and order SVU case in Houston in the making. Have you heard of the Rudy Ferris story? This was a young man who went missing when he was 17, 18 um, in March of 2015. And he has been found eight years later. They found him on uh, June 29th in front of a church. And the only way they were able to identify him is because he had a family member's uh, debit card, credit card in his hand. When they got there, uh, the mother came and was like, oh, we're so happy you found him. The man did not want to get checked out by the uh, fire truck or, or the ambulance. And the mother signed off on it. But guess what, y'all? Turns out this man ain't never been missing. This mm. man has been locked in a room, drugged by his mother and forced to play daddy by his mother. He has been sexually abused and tormented this whole time. Now, what they're saying is he only revealed what happened to activist Cornell X. And Ferris reportedly told X that he initially ran away because he was tired of his mother not respecting his personal boundaries and living like a slave. He said that he didn't like getting in the bed with her, that he would try to sneak off out of the bed and sometimes hide under the bed. But she told him that he had to be her husband. Can you believe that, you guys? Mm, mm, mm. Just a sad, sad story. 
And the mother has been talking for him this entire time. But the neighbors, I think the neighbors is what broke this case because the neighbors kept saying, he ain't missing. We see him all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, and, you know, he comes over regularly and come to find out he she has also been taking him to her job and making him do homework. Yeah, mm. this is getting crazier and crazier. And the story is still mm-hmm. unfolding. I cannot wait to see how this all goes down. I mean, that part about the neighbors knowing he was there really stood out to me. But it feels like this is part of a larger political moment when there's this culture wide freak out about kids safety bleeding over into books and schools and transgender rights and all this stuff. And I just want to say, just look at actual people like look what's going on. If you're looking for some sort of political pattern here, I don't think you're going to find it. I think you're going to find problems like this are society wide. And rather than trying to pick some small group to bully over it, let's try to come up with a society wide solution. Man, we are wishing the best to Rudy, as um, I'm sure it's going to be a long road to recovery now that he's finally out. And uh, we'll see what happens. As you mentioned, Antrochelle, there's going to be so many more details coming out about this case and about the story in general, what really happened. And we're going to learn a little bit more. All right, Evan, how about you? What was your biggest story of the week? Oh, I think the big story of the week is Ken Paxton saying that he is not going to testify in the Senate trial for his impeachment. Now, the trial is scheduled to begin on September 5th, and an announcement from Tony Busby said that, quote, we will not bow to their evil, illegal, and unprecedented weaponization of state power in the Senate chamber. But you know who's in charge of the Senate? Dan Patrick. It seems so weird to have these strikes against Patrick, this lead Republican in the state who's leading the proceeding. Like, do you feel like that this is going to make things go better or worse for Paxton if he's treating his fellow Republicans like this? This really is Republican on Republican political violence and attempts by Paxton's backers and supporters to try to frame this up as some type of progressive assault or rhino stuff really just seems so bizarre. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. What is it that you still see in Ken Paxton? Why stand by him? Why not just kick him out, just impeach him already and replace him with a distinctly more competent Republican if that's what you want? Meanwhile, he's still under FBI investigation over accusations that he used his power as attorney general to help a major donor. He's facing felony securities fraud charges, and he's facing retaliation charges from employee whistleblowers who he fired. Like this guy loves to do crimes. He can't help himself. Get him out of there. Yeah, this makes no sense. Like, why aren't they just moving on? Like, this is such a bad look. You know, Josh Brodesky in the San Antonio Express News had an op-ed asking this question, but it doesn't really answer it. And I wonder if part of it is just that over the years, attempts by Republicans to inoculate themselves from what they see as a liberal press have made a lot of their base just unwilling to accept anything besides good news for themselves, that any attack on them is viewed as illegitimate. Or maybe there's just a larger thing here that at a time when a lot of really arch conservatives don't like this idea of what they call virtue signaling, that like, oh, seeming like you're doing something good, really, you're just covering up, really, you're just thinking about images rather than actual action, has this converse uh vice signaling, that if it's bad to virtue signal, it's good to vice signal. It's good to show you don't care. It's good to show that you're not going to be restrained by morality. You know, you add this on top of the property tax drama that's happening between the Republicans right now on the state Mm -hmm. level. Is this going to impact the election at all? You think voters are going to respond? I don't know. 
I mean, maybe some Republicans will be sick of other Republicans and say they're not going to vote for them, but it's going to take Democrats uh, to actually capitalize on the moment. And I don't see them doing that. Do you see them doing anything? Mm, I, I, we haven't seen anything happen yet. Mm-mm. My biggest story of the week and another sad story from the Harris County Jail, another inmate has passed away. And we've talked about this. It seems like every other week we're talking about it, but this time it was 30-year-old Ramon Thomas, who was bipolar and also schizophrenic. So he should have been in a special mental health unit, but he was found unresponsive, passed away. His mother talked to him the morning of his death. They have no answers yet because the Texas Rangers are investigating. We've talked about what's been happening there so many times, but the ninth inmate has passed away and of course, coming off that year last year where 27 inmates passed away in Harris County Jail. This is just another tragic story. And, you know, Thomas was booked into the correction facility on two charges of criminal trespassing and terroristic threats on April 19th. And we are in July. I mean, this just goes to, again, talk about cases aren't getting heard and these inmates are just sitting around and this is just a tragic failure. Mm -hmm. I definitely have to say this hits me personally because my uncle passed away in jail. Um, A couple of my church members passed away in jail and um, actually two uncles passed away in jail. So and it was kind of the same thing, like what? Like was was that even necessary for them to be in there? Um, they were mentally ill as well. So I already know what the road to recovery for this family is going to be like. And so my heart goes out to them because mm. it doesn't get any better because there's so many unanswered uh, questions and so many like what happened? What was the last day like? It, it, it never gets better. So this is this is sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, pretrial detention is supposed to be the exception, not the rule. But too many people are held before trial while they're still legally innocent. Too many people are held just because they don't have the money for bail. And we really don't have this larger attempt to come up with a rational system where we put the conditions on people necessary to prevent future offenses. Like that is the goal here. And if instead we're just trying to lock people up because we don't know what else to do, like that is on us. And when somebody dies behind bars in a public facility, it's not just one criminal who's responsible. It's not one bad guy. It's all of us. All of us have our hands on how policy is written, and all of us have a responsibility to come up with a solution. Mm, perfectly said. Perfectly said. All right, Aunt Rochelle, let's move on to your most overlooked story of the week. What you got? We like to go to the beach. It's hot. But ladies and gentlemen, if you are walking along the Galveston shore and you see a blue jellyfish-like creature, stay away from it. Stay away from it. It is called the porpita porpita or the blue button. And it causes skin irritation when touched. Now, some people are going to say, oh, it's not that bad. But do you really want to know what that feels like? Do you really want to get stung by a jellyfish, ladies and gentlemen? Come on, let's be smart while we are here having a good time. I'm definitely cautious about this. And I read this to my husband when I saw it because my son's big beach bash is every year in Galveston. And he likes to explore. So if your child is like my child, you have to scare the life out of him and say, you better not touch this if you see it, because it's going to cause skin irritation. And it is, I think they said it has mild effects. But why do you even want to touch that? What if you die playing with nature? Highly unlikely you'll die from it because, again, (laughs) the venom isn't that strong in the blue button jellyfish. 
but they are pretty creatures, they right? When you see them, you're like, yeah. this is so cool. They're they look really gorgeous. Cool. But please, yeah. just look from afar, ladies and gentlemen. Do not touch it. Don't try to play with it. Don't try to hold it. Get away. Give it a space, right? And just keep on, mm-hmm. keep on moving. <laughs> And guess what? Right down the coast at Padre Island National Seashore, they found some Australian spotted jellyfish. And these are invasive jellyfish. They're not as mm-hmm. pretty. They grow up to 20 inches. So they look wow. like a beach ball. Now, they don't hurt as well. They're not venomous or anything like that. They're just, again, annoying. And it's going to hurt <laughs> when you get stung. But it's not going to kill you or anything. But it, watch out for those now moving up the coast as well. <laughs> Mm -hmm. these things are small you got to look out yeah oh absolutely now one question about jellyfish we always hear that if you do get stung by a jellyfish you need to pee on it right yes has anybody ever had to do that i haven't had to do it but just know i'm not peeing on you okay i'm not peeing i'm not gonna do it i don't know i just i don't know maybe i'll pee in the cup and pour it on you that's the alternative but i'm not yeah yeah Yeah, we always hear about it. I've never talked to anybody that's actually had to do it. I don't think that's true. I I thought you're supposed to pour vinegar on it. I never heard of vinegar. I only heard about the pee. Like if you go to Australian beaches where they have really dangerous jellyfish, they have jugs of, I think, vinegar there to pour on the stings if you get stung. Hmm. Gotcha. And nobody brings vinegar in Galveston. I'll just tell you that no, right now. Maybe we should no. do mix the combination. Maybe one day pee, the next day vinegar. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. All right, Evan, how about you? What was your most overlooked story of the week? The most overlooked story of the week was this fascinatingly in-depth article in the Houston Chronicle by Mike Morris and R.A. Schutz about the drainage fee. Now, if y'all remember, back in 2010, voters approved the Renew Houston drainage fee to replace the usual bond-funded capital expenditures for roads and pipelines and drainage and stuff like that. And it promised that, and I'm getting really technical here, uh, that 11.8 cents of every $100 of taxable property or, and this is critical, an amount equivalent will be placed into street and drainage fund. But over the years, that amount has shifted. You know, so maybe it's that the city is doing just, quote, an amount equivalent, because when this first passed, that uh, fee was 18.5% of how much the city budget collected. So if you just kept it at that 18.5, that amount would go down. But ever since the city ran into the revenue cap in 2016, that amount has shrunk even more. Significant amount. So basically, if we're at the full funding, we would have collected $2.7 billion over this time. If you did that proportional amount, it would be $2.3 billion. But actually, they've just uh, allocated $1.8 billion. Mm. And where is this money going? Mostly filling out the rest of the budget. And so it's this bizarre sense of like, how is the city using this dedicated funding? At the same time, as the city says, if you want us to put more money into roads and drainage, that means less money for police, less money for firefighters, less money for anything else of the budget because of the revenue cap. And this just feels like one of those bizarre consequences that was never intended of putting in place a revenue cap. I think we just got to get rid of it. So what happens from here? Will there be any fighting from citizens about like, hey, can we get the actual allocation and do this correctly? Or are we just going to move on? You know, citizens are suing right now people who supported the initial referendum. Uh, And in part of the the discovery process, when the city had to turn over documents uh, about how they calculate uh, 
this funding to pages where they think the current calculations are of how they determine this amount of money has been completely blacked out. So they don't know. But we Mm -hmm. have a mayoral election coming up. I think we have to talk about it there. Uh, I think we also just have to talk about how the city budget works. It has a lot of independent revenue streams. It has a lot of dedicated funds that can only be used for certain things. We also have to look at how the city is paying down past infrastructure debt. And with every passing year, we'll have more and more money to spend on actual roads and actual drainage infrastructure. But at the same time, if the firefighters want to raise, how are you going to pay for that? If we want more money spent on police, how are you going to pay for that? That money has to come from somewhere. And a lot of people will say, oh, we'll just get rid of waste, fraud and abuse. Like the biggest chunks of change are spent on public safety, on police and fire. If you want to save money, you're probably going to save it there. Yeah. Or you just allocate it in the budget, right? If there are raises, <laughs> like why not think about this before, you know, not allocating it? It's so crazy. So crazy. Yeah. Okay. My overlook story of the week I have to talk about it. It's not that big of a news story, but I just need to get this off my chest. Did you guys see the Lake Conroe fireworks explosion? <laughs> no. What happened? Okay. So every year we see this, right? Around the 4th of July, people are putting on a fireworks show and they'll do it on their own. It's not professionals. But there was a fireworks show being done on a dock. And of course, one firework that wasn't supposed to get lit, it does, and it causes every other firework to go off, and it's this crazy explosion. We see it every year. It happens around the nation. This time, it was in Lake Conroe. There were some injuries. Everyone's fine. Nothing you know, too crazy, just the burns that you would expect. The craziest part of this video is there's somebody recording. Fine. They're pretty far away. But there are people who are just sitting around letting the explosion hit them. And it was so crazy. I'm thinking, why are y'all just sitting around? Get up and walk away, please. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Uh, I'm glad there weren't more injuries because it looked really bad. And being a person who loves fireworks and we've had fireworks malfunction while there's kids around, the first thing you do is you just run for cover, grab a kid and get out of the way, right? Uh-huh. And these people are just sitting around like, oh, this is cool. This is nice. <laughs> so ridiculous. But of course, all of our stories are linked in the show notes so you can watch it. Uh, when you get time. But yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Like, please, (laughs) we do dumb things around the 4th of July, but please run when fireworks are not going the way they're supposed to. I don't even understand the fireworks thing from the beginning. Like, I'm so glad that my neighbors decided that this week, I live in a a cul-de-sac. So I already had my mind right. was like, it's about to go down once the sun goes down, but they didn't. So I was glad. But yeah, that's crazy. Run. When you see fire, run. Yeah, it's the biggest racket in human history, by the way. We're literally burning money. It makes no (laughs) sense. It makes no sense. That's how we're celebrating. Like millions of dollars, right? We're just burning it up. And they all look the same. There's no new advancements in firework technology, by the way. They all look the same every year and we're still wasting money. Okay, rant done. What? I love fireworks. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Fireworks are great. I'm I'm good. It gave me a headache. All right, Antrichel, give me some joy. Come on, what sparks some joy in your soul? Tell me, come on, give me some happiness here. Listen. The one number one thing that is not happy for a child is going to the to the dentist. Right. Until I went to Oaks Point Pediatric Dentistry. When I tell you, Dr. Christopher Chance and his team, shout out to Courtney, 
They had my baby boy smiling from ear to ear from beginning to end. Now, mind you, my child has 11 cavities and he has to get uh, two surgeries. Okay. Oh, wow. Me and my husband were crying because we thought we did everything right. But my child has no idea what's about to take place because Dr. Chance and his team were so phenomenal. It is a great place to be. And I was just so happy uh, to be there. Now, Dr. Chance it was ex- is extremely popular because I made this appointment a month ago. And we just went yesterday. Uh, but when I got there, I realized why. Not only is the team phenomenal, Dr. Chance is a looker. And all the mothers had on their Sunday's best <laughs> to be up there with Dr. Chance. I brought my husband with me. So I wasn't looking at Dr. Chance, but I was like, oh, that's why he's so popular. Okay. <laughs> you're Hey, look, your husband can appreciate too. Game recognized game. He did. He did. But I would like to make everybody aware of Oaks Point Pediatric Dentistry and Dr. Christopher Chance. They are phenomenal over there. I mean, I'm going to say you look at the pictures of my child in the dentist chair, teasing, had no idea what was going on, but he was excited about all of it. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Evan, how about you? What sparks some joy in you? I think what sparked joy in me was seeing headlines about how the Fair for Houston campaign has turned in what looks like enough votes to get us a referendum vote on the ballot for proportional representation at the Houston-Galveston Area Council. For those who don't know, the HGAC is the multi-governmental organization that collects and distributes federal funds for infrastructure and job training. And for too long, Houston has been more than 30% of the population, but only two seats out of the 37 member board. And we routinely get screwed over on allocations of funds, most notably getting only 2% of the nearly half a billion dollars in federal flood dollars that were sent to the region in 2022. But also just general good governments type things get shut down. A plan to redo Lower Westheimer to bring it down to two lanes, have more on-street parking, dedicated bus stops, wider sidewalks would have been amazing. But no, they didn't think it had real cost-benefit analysis. Only if you don't actually live in the city, only if you don't recognize the importance of Houston to the core of the economic engine here, would you pass over something like that? So I can't wait to get this on the ballot. And I'm going to say, go vote for it. What do you think happens? Do we get more representation? I think this thing is going to pass. I think you see a bipartisan coalition of Houston area Democrats and Republicans all coming together saying that we've had enough. Enough is enough. Pigs get fat hogs get slaughtered. Clearly, there is benefit of having some sort of regional planning. But if we care more about traffic in Liberty County than we care about inner loop Houston, I think things are misweighted. All right. Really good to hear about that. All right. My moment of joy. And this is so cool. In Sunnyside, black farmers have opened a new grocery store called Fresh House Groceries. And it was founded by Ivy Wells and Jeremy Peaches. I mean, that is a phenomenal name for a farmer, by the way. (laughs) Um, So what they're doing is they are providing fresh produce and other supplies in Sunnyside at this new grocery store. The pair raised 27000 They also got a grant to make Fresh House a reality. And their plan is to create more of these stores like this 
at other food desert neighborhoods around Houston. So there is fresh produce and they are sourcing their produce from other black farmers. So this is a great story. I was so happy to see this. Yes, that's my hood. And we also had Ivy here on the show, Raheel. This is so exciting because not only have Ivy and Jeremy opened up the store in Sunnyside, Worthen High, my mm-hmm. high school where I graduated from, the Pride of Sunnyside, their specialty is now in growing produce in partnership mm-hmm. with the farmhouse. So now the students at Worthen High will have a new Vanguard program that will teach them how to farm. And that will be now a new curriculum, which I think is so dope. And that was just phenomenal. So, yeah, this is how you do it. This is how you that change so the hood. Great. Doing good that in the so hood. Great. There mm-hmm. you go. All right, Evan and Trishel, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. We'll talk to you down the road. Peace. See y'all next time. That was Evan Mintz and Antrichelle Nova. You can find all the stories we talked about in our show notes. Hey, are you loving CityCast Houston? Well, why don't you share it with a friend who needs to appreciate Houston more? That will do it for this week on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producer is Carleon Jones. Our newsletter editors are Brooke Lewis and Adrian Gonzalez. And the host is me, Rio Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at how this hot weather is impacting mosquitoes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Do y'all remember Funplex? Yes, but Funplex is still open. No, it's, it's still not. around. Yes, it is. What? I'm taking my kid tomorrow. No, it's not.